Welcome to Classed Out, where real teachers talk about the good, the bad, and the parent emails of teaching today. Hear about everything from observations and state assessments to movie days and unruly classes as we share our perspective on life as an educator. Hi, welcome to episode one of Classed Out. I'm Nick Friedman. Uh, I'm joined today by my co-host, Sarah Shepard. Uh, today, we're just going to kind of give you some background on us as educators and kind of what we do and who we are. Um, so that way, as you're driving around and you're you know, thinking about who are these teachers and why are they telling me that I need to do my job better? Because as teachers, we get that from a lot of different places and we don't want you to feel like we are coming to your ears and telling you that you're horrible at your jobs. We're just trying to... Uh, one, share some of the ideas that we come up with, but two, um, eventually we'll get to the point where we get some feedback from you guys and we're just trying to create a network where we can uh, hear some different stuff. Uh, so today we're just going to kind of give you, like I said, a background. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of what we do um, in our building. We're going to talk about our favorite parts of teaching, uh, why we got into it, um, some things that we liked uh, about our teaching training process and things we didn't like. Um, and then we're going to have our first kind of weekly segment that we're going to call uh, detention and extra credit. It's kind of like pits and peaks or highs and lows, um, but we're going to have some fun with that. And I think you guys will like that. So to get things started today, um, like I said, I'm Nick Friedman. I'm a social studies teacher in Ohio. Um, me and uh, Sarah both teach at the same school. Uh, so we work with a lot of the same students, but we also have crossover. Uh, Sarah, if you kind of want to introduce yourself now. Sure. Um Sarah Shepard. I teach um, varying levels of English uh, in high school at the same same school, like Nick said, um, in Ohio, small rural town. It's a lot of fun out here. Yeah, it's definitely we're we're not we we've known each other for a long time, and we're not small town people. Um, so it's been a it's been a fun adjustment for us. I think the the first baby farm animal day was the first eye opening experience uh, for me. Personally, growing up in a very suburban area, uh, again, Nick and I have known each other since middle school. Yeah, middle school. Um, it, it was definitely um, informative to me to realize, I'm going to just call myself out here, that I did not know a goat and a sheep were two different animals. So yeah. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Wait, they are? Is it? They're okay. two different animals. Well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Learn. I thought a sheep was a baby goat. I had no idea. I thought a goat was just a male sheep. <laughs> so you uh. other, you ag teachers out there are probably never going to listen Never gonna listen to this again. Um, but that's all right. Um, so we'll kind of jump ahead and uh, talk about why we got into teaching. Um, for me, um, I've always liked working with kids. Um, outside of the classroom, I also coach athletics in a couple different, I coach football, I coach baseball before, uh, like basketball, I've never coached it, but I'll always tell a kid to work on their free throws. Um, so it was just an opportunity for me to share my passion in history, uh, with other kids, um, or with kids in general, and just try to, uh, encourage them to be lifelong learners. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into it. But, um, having the ability to, uh, work with kids in different fields, you know, in the classroom, on the athletic field, um, whether it's, you know, in certain clubs or things like that, it was kind of exciting because you get to see people develop from, you know, freshmen when you get, when we get them as high school teachers, you know, these kind of doe-eyed freshmen, so by the time when they leave you as seniors, they're either going to go join the workforce or they're joining the military or they're going to college, and so it's really kind of cool to see somebody grow up in all the different skills they acquire in just a short amount of time. 
And I think that's a blessing of working in such a small district is you do get to see the development of the student, their freshman through senior year. And so um, that's really, I think, a special thing about where, where we work. Um, I, I think back to how I started into the teaching field and it, it's not as, um, I don't know, typical maybe. Uh, I wasn't necessarily uh, really involved uh, in like thinking that, you know, I wanted to work with kids, but I knew I loved English and I loved reading. I did also love history, but uh, when I looked at coursework for college uh, majors, <laughs> I decided that maybe that wasn't right for me. So I thought, I'm going to major in English. And then my dad said, well, what are you going to do with that? And then so I had to really think about it. And I thought, well, I love it. What can I do where I get to talk about you know, books and writing all day? And, and that's teaching. And so I ended up you know, working with students and not enjoying elementary, I will be the first to say that, <laughs> kind of not okay with middle school and just really loving high school. And like Nick said, like seeing the development of that person as they're going off into the world is, is really, really neat. And I really have come to love that more than maybe what I had originally um, expected. I always thought teaching was a noble profession. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm in it, not without its its trials and tribulations, but uh, I, I, I stem from a love of my content area. That's how I got into teaching. That's, I mean, you say it's like the, not the traditional way, but that's probably a good way to get into it because it's better than, uh, we can definitely think of teachers that we've had in the past, either you know, in elementary, middle, high school, or even college, that they were definitely not passionate about their subject and you could <laughs> tell it right away. Yes. And, so it made me like when I had classes like that, it made me not interested in that subject. And so, you know, that's a chance for a student not to get engaged in that topic because, well, if the teacher doesn't care about it, why should I care about it? And so that's, you know, that's a really positive thing to have. A hundred percent. I think my high school geometry teacher came in and pretty much was like, I'm only teaching this because they told me I had to. And so that's just not a great way to start off, yeah. start off the year with, with someone who's especially not more um you know math minded uh so that really kind of pushed me away from 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 that subject area for sure so um nick what is your favorite favorite part of teaching i like trying to be as creative as possible that's like that's kind of what gets me out of bed in the morning when it comes to comes to class i like to uh, kind of push the envelope on things that we do in the social studies room i'm not getting too crazy but i'm trying to make things Make the kids think a little bit. When it comes to history, a lot of times it's learn this date, learn this name, and then move on. Um, and so I like to, like one of my favorite things that we do all year is we play Monopoly. When we talk about vertical and horizontal integration, um, you know, classic board game. Most everybody has ever played it before. I did have a kid this year come in and say that she uh, had never played Monopoly. So that was that was a challenge I never quite expected. I don't know I, how that's possible. I just thought that it was, uh, you know, a, you're born, you get to a certain age, and then required by international law you play monopoly at least seven times but you only finish it like twice um, but challenging the kids to think about all right how do i play under different rules and analyzing that into connecting to the content and tying that together and the kids seem to really like that lesson which i mean you get to play a board game at school so it's not 
You know. They do love it. I will tell you that. They talk about it all the time. So, They're always excited. <laughs> and it, it does kind of ruin the rest of the semester because they just ask me when we're going to play Monopoly again. Um, so that's always fun. But I like to do different things like that where you you take the content, you challenge the kids to think about it in a way that makes sense to them, um, it makes a connection to them, but it also, uh, you know, it's still content, it's still relevant, and it's still providing them some type of information. Um, so that's that's kind of what my favorite part about teaching is. Um, so I'll ask the question back to you. What is your favorite part about teaching? Um, I struggle with this question, but I think my favorite part at this point, because I know I, I end up with a lot of kids, so they're like, I've never read a book before. The last book I read was, um, you know, my mom reading to me at night or, or whatever my middle school teacher, uh, you know, picked up and read to us. So I've, I've changed my perspective because I, I love it when I see a kid make a connection with a book and can't come in and say I like this genre I love this author whatever it may be so that's always exciting for me I love that but I've also do realize that um, you know there are a lot of things that you know are shifting in our teaching profession and I've recently gotten into a lot of 21st century skills and some PD on that which I I would love to talk about on a future episode but seeing them like Nick said when they can apply something and the light bulb goes on to something as simple as a, a board game uh, just finding those things so whether it's cre actually creating a podcast or um, doing different presenting skills or letting them find you know a way to share their content knowledge through a more creative like art artistic aspect just letting them know that they they can express their content knowledge in different ways and when when you see them make that connection and have that aha light bulb moment that is my favorite part of teaching so I think my favorite part is constantly trying to find uh, something to fit every kid um, which sounds rather impossible but I'm finding that um, it's a little bit easier than than maybe we think and that is just groundbreaking for me and has really been something that's kept me in this profession, which I know a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, I, I think that we're pretty relatable in that, trying to make it connect to each individual student. And we'll save this for a future episode, but one of the things that I do is I try to give the kids as much vague description and as <laughs> options as possible. And so I, I think it allows for that creativity. One of the things I always tell my students, and it's just a reality, that when they grow up, they're, most of them are not going to become historians. They're not going to become social studies teachers. They're not going to do the things that this class is historically, to use a repetitive term there, <laughs> they're not going to do the things, they're not going to grow up and write a book about Teddy Roosevelt, or they're not going to grow up and you know analyze historical documents for their career. But they are going to need the reading and analyzation skills in their day-to-day -day job. They are going to need to... Um, you know, look at past events and make future predictions. And so giving them that creativity and giving them that openness is something that as they move forward in life, they can fall back on those skills. And so that's, we, I, I try to focus a lot on the skills. And we'll, we'll get into that more um, when we get into some future episodes, but that's just, I think they call that a tease in the business. So we'll, we'll mm -hmm. just kind of tease you right there. Um, so now let's kind of switch gears and talk about a little bit more about us and how we got to where we are by talking about our college education. Um, so me personally, I went to a few different schools. Um, I did my undergrad work at Ohio State, um, and then I got my teaching license from Ashland University. Um, but wait, hold up! You cannot say that the 
Ohio State. The Ohio State University. <laughs> yeah, they're probably going to revoke my diploma now that I <laughs> I said it like said it like that. They but, were trying to trademark me just like yeah, two months ago. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I didn't like the frivolous lawsuit, so I was just trying to so how pointless I think that part is. But so I went to the Ohio State University, um, and then I went to is it the Ashland University or is it just Ashland or Go Eagles? <laughs> Um, but along the way, I took classes at a whole bunch of other colleges. I'm sure that most of you out there can relate to taking a couple classes here at this online school and taking a couple classes at this other directional university in some state you've never been to. Um, so that's kind of like my journey. And I try to relate that as much to the kids as kind of just putting it through. Okay, how, what is your dream in life? And then what are you going to do to obtain it? I always knew in high school and, you know, even probably a little bit before that, that I wanted to be a teacher. And so as I went through my college education, I always said, okay, what is going to help me the best on getting to be a teacher? And so if that's taking one semester, I took classes at six different colleges and I took one class at each. So that was something that stood, you know, stood in my way and I decided that I, this is more important to me, so I'm going to go through that. Um, so I, you know, I have pluses and minuses to the college experience at those places. I think that from a historical content experience, they did a very good job of training me for what I need to do, but I think from a practical teaching application, I can write a damn good lesson plan, but if we're being honest, I don't think any of us actually sit down and write a lesson plan, uh, maybe other than you know when you get formally observed by your administrator, because it's just you get into a groove as a teacher and you know what's coming next, you know what your classes are going to do, and you don't really need to sit down and what supplies do I need for today, and how many, what is the learning profile, and you know, what is, you, you know all that. You know how to connect to your students and you know what works best for them and it also works best for you and you don't need to sit down and formally write that out. And so I, that's always been kind of a gripe of mine is I didn't need to pay for you know 15 classes that told me how to write a lesson plan. I needed to know like what an SLO is because my first year of teaching and I had to do one, I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what the OTES process is. In Ohio, our, you know, our evaluation process, I didn't know what any of that was. And that's, you know, I think that's a shortcoming on our teacher preparation today. Um, but so, Sarah, what was your college and pre-teaching experience like? I attended Wittenberg University, Tiger Up. I One of the things that attracted me about Wittenberg was the fact that they could get me through um, certification and my, you know, obviously my, my undergrad degree in four years. And at the time, starting college in 2009, right after, you know, our, our most recent recession, um, that was, you know, cost-wise thinking about student loans, that was very attractive to me to be able to get it done in that short amount of time. And knowing that I, I did want to go into teaching, I didn't finally make that decision before I started freshman year, I was able to sit down and plan all that out. So that was awesome. I love Wittenberg. Um, I'm still involved at Wittenberg. It is it is a special place in my heart. I um, my husband is a is a Wittenberg grad as well. So uh, that is you know it holds a special place in my heart. I will say that get a little mushy there. <laughs> but I um, one awesome thing about Wittenberg uh, is small um, and. I still have some great relationships with my professors, um, specifically my education advisor. Uh, on any given day, I can pick up the phone and call him and be like, hey, uh, what do you know about you know, this new teaching practice or um, you know, this 
you know, anything, any new literature that's coming out and, and to have that relationship is fantastic. And, you know, and of course that's something that, you know, I, I appreciate and I value so much. Um, but like Nick said, I did not need 15 classes on writing a five page lesson plan where I counted out the amount of pencils I needed. I needed something where, um, how are you going to respond to adversity in the classroom? How are you going to deal with kids who are coming to you hungry? You know, maybe just have heard their parents had a fight before they left school, maybe haven't seen their parents. Um, there are a lot of things that our students are facing and I really think that having more of a, not necessarily a social worker uh, background, but some piece of that. And I really felt like I had a small portion of that later, about my like end of my junior, beginning of senior year before I started my formal student teaching. But that's something that I wish I we really would have worked on a lot more is how, you know, if a if student's basic needs are not being met, they're not going to learn in your classroom. And those are the things that we end up dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis bef before we even get to, you know, say, all right, we're talking about infinitive phrases today. So no one's going to care about my infinitive phrases if they are worried about what's going on at home or nervous about the fact that they don't have lunch and they can't eat lunch because maybe their parents forgot to fill out the free and reduced lunch form. I mean, that's happened before. So I, I think those more applicable, uh, you know, personnel things that come up in the classroom should have definitely been hit on a lot more um, than, yeah, than writing a five, five page lesson plan that really our, ad, our administrator is great. He's like, look, just, you know what I need to know as far as your standards and your, you know, your I can statements and, and tying into, you know, 21st century skills is really big again with us right now. But, you know, beyond that, he's like, you know, you, you guys have been trained on how to do this and I want to see you kind of work your magic in the classroom. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, it is nice to have some freedom to do the things that we were mostly trained on how to do and not kind of be babysat for lack of a better term. Um, but going kind of backtrack into kind of the social components of going to the classroom, I feel like, I don't know how it was for you at Wittenberg, but I feel like a lot of time it was just kind of a checkbox thing for the professor. It was like, here's this made up scenario where Tommy comes into school and he's wearing the same clothes that he wore all week last week. And he says that he's hungry all the time. Like, what do you do? And everybody kind of knows how to handle that response in kind of the, you know, in an imaginary setting, but it's a lot different and a lot harder to respond to when you're actually forced to deal with that situation firsthand and figure out, okay, you know, I am in a state tested subject. My test scores do matter um, in terms of how our school looks, but I also have a kid who, you know, just really doesn't really care what it is that we're talking about with the, you know, Cuban Missile Crisis because he hasn't had any food in a week. So those are the kind of things that Hopefully, if you're maybe a college professor out there, you're kind of hearing this and you're thinking, okay, how can I start to build that into uh, my lessons today and start training teachers to handle things um, a little bit differently than how maybe you were trained? Because um, I'm sure that, you know, at some point that, you know, when, not to get super political, mm -hmm. but when the a, 
economic disparity in the country was a little bit more even, you didn't really deal with those things. Or if you did, um, you know, it wasn't maybe as widespread or as, you know, talked about as it is today. But now I think kids are more willing to kind of share those things because um, they see other people, you know, whether it's on social media or, you know, on TV or whatever, but they see people sharing their struggles. And so they feel a little bit more open to share theirs, which is good. It, you know, it opens up dialogue and it lets us help kids out, which is, I hope, you know, the reason that what most of us continue to be in the profession. It's not necessarily why we got into it, but, you know, as we're in it, we're going to say that our job is to, you know, make sure that the kids are being successful. So hopefully, you know, we can maybe start a grassroots movement and get that, mm -hmm. get that implemented a little bit. I'll make a poster for you. Ooh, poster. <laughs> are you going to laminate it? I'm going to have to have someone in the elementary to teach me how to number one, use the laminator at our school. And actually, I don't even know what room it's in. Good. So, I, I was just about to say, I don't know what a laminator is, and yeah. I didn't want to like sound embarrassing, <laughs> right? I know where the technology that I need to use is, and I use the ones that I want to use. I'm, I'm notorious for not calling anybody. I've used my, in three years, I've used my phone four times to call people. And I think two of them have been me. And, yeah, one was the nurse. One was the nurse. So... <laughs> Hopefully, the, hopefully there's someone out there that can relate to that. All right, so uh, we'll kind of wrap this up this week by doing our weekly segment we're going to call Detention and Extra Credit. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Detention, that's going to be like the low point of our week, right? If you, mm -hmm. you know, think back to when you were in school, if you got detention, unlike me, I never never got sent to detention. I was a goody-goody. So I don't, did you ever go to detention? Um, no. I didn't. Look at that. So we're, wow. we're two straight rule followers. So. I had a lot of attendance issues maybe my senior year of high school, but that, my, my that was about my it. Senior, <laughs> my senior year, the senior prank was senior late start day, and I was still on time for senior late start day. Never had a tardy, never had a detention. Wow. That I'm is impressive. Giant nerd. <laughs> I would even purposely schedule my doctor's appointment so I could go to school and then be signed out so I didn't get a tardy. Wow. Yeah. So... <laughs> nerd very <laughs> alert and then uh extra credit everybody loves a little extra credit all right so that's the, that's gonna be the high point of the week um so we'll go ahead and get started with our detentions get the bad part out of the way first so sarah you had a oh good God. detention that you were telling me about the other day so why don't you uh get us started there first oh well a life lesson last week was valentine's day we're you know recording this on February 19th. Um, we did not have school on actual Valentine's Day. So the day before, I, um, like I said, I have a couple different roles in the English department. I am the year, yearbook advisor. I teach that course. And one of our marketing um, tactics this year was to hand out um, candy Valentines uh, to all the students. You got a special like Reese egg, egg, heart, wrong holiday no i think they might have been one of them the one i ate that i stole from a kid who somehow a kid doesn't like reese's which is mind-boggling yeah i don't know I, I don't know if this kid should be allowed to graduate i don't care what their academic performance is if you don't like reese's i don't know how mm -mm. I, I could get it if you're allergic to peanut butter but this this student was not allergic to peanut butter just said i don't like reese's um but yeah i uh i ate that and i'm pretty sure it was an egg well yeah well, either way, the shape ones are better than the original. Oh yeah, there's cup more. Ones. There, yeah, there's more peanut butter. The yeah. peanut butter to chocolate ratio is now evened out. That's right. You were the person who told me that. Yeah. So anyway, if you bought a yearbook already, you got a special Reese's candy, right? And if you didn't, you just got 
conversation hearts, which I don't think is a bad deal. I always liked those growing up. Like even Neko's. I don't know if people even make Neko's anymore. Are those those wafer, they're like the wafer, like sugar wafers. Oh, like they're the, like conversation hearts that are like flat discs. Yeah, they look they like communion like a, wafers. Yes, and they come in like a wax seal. Anyway, I whatever. I like those. I like the sweetheart ones. I, I also ate a box of those. So <laughs> I took those from another kid too. So my mistake was, or the reason I'm in detention, you know, this week, <laughs> I should say, is I gave all of that out. Um, the last period of our day is, uh, we'll get into it later, but for lack of a better term right now, a study hall. And so I gave all of the high school students who were there on last Thursday candy 45 minutes before the bell rang for the end of the day before a long weekend and they went nuts they uh at one point both Nick and some other teachers came down to my room to make sure I was not like tied to a chair I definitely thought it was like some Lord of the Flies (laughs) when they killed Piggy I was nervous that we were going to go in and she was going to be hogtied to a wooden pole as they danced around a fire of textbooks. <laughs> I love that illusion. <laughs> um, but but that was that was a, the worst mistake. I will never do that again. It'll be at the very end of the day. You go home to your parents and eat that sugar. I am not doing that in class at all. So that was that's why I'm in detention this week is is because I gave the entire high school student body candy. Yeah, that's my detention. Yeah, at least you only had to, like <laughs> at least you only had to deal with like one sixteenth of that. Could you imagine if like you had done it in like a assembly where you just gave all the kids candy? Oh, that would have been horrible. That would have been absolutely horrible. Yeah, so like you, it's detention, but it's not like it's not a you know it's not an extended. That you're not expelled. A, yeah, you're not expelled. I'm not ex- <laughs> expelled. Um, so my my uh, detention of the week is I it's probably something super relatable is I. Yesterday we did classroom presentations, mm-hmm. um, and I made the probably like rookie mistake of anticipating that a group of high school students would take our our class periods are eighty minutes. So I I anticipated that you know cl- students having to make in groups you know nine or ten page slides slideshows would take you know the entire class, and it took about twenty minutes, <laughs> start to finish. <laughs> So I, uh, my detention of the week is that I failed to make a lesson plan and then was scrambling to make copies of a worksheet to have students work on um, for our next unit over the judicial branch. Um, but the kids could obviously see that, all right, he doesn't have a plan. And so that, that uh, wrangling of the students after that was, was a bit fun, um, trying to get them back on track. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's my detention of the week. <laughs> So I guess maybe I should have. Written, We've all been there. I think maybe I should have written my five-page lesson plan that day. Maybe. So oh, that did not take as long as I thought. Yeah. What am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah. So uh, somewhere, somewhere, one of my college professors is like, "See, I told you that five-page uh... lesson plan was going to come in handy. <laughs> I told you." Right. Over plan. Always over plan. Yeah. I, I significantly. That is one good takeaway. Always over plan. Right. But then I still do that. But then the worst part is, is that the next class it took almost the entire period. Aren't they fickle? I don't. And the, the other class has fewer students. Hmm. So I don't know. The, the presentations were better in the second class. Hopefully those students aren't listening to that. Draw your own conclusions. Yeah. yeah. Do with that information as you will. All right. So let's get out of detention and let's go earn some extra credit. Oh, extra credit. Well, speaking of extra credit, I think my extra credit is I will share 
an extra credit opportunity that I offered my students that I am actually pleasantly surprised with. I um, I don't normally give extra credit. I have some personal issues with it. So, again, another episode. We'll get an extra credit. That'll be a whole series of episodes. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, the unit that we're in features the theme Outsiders and Outcasts. We just got off of Gothic literature. So right now um, my classes are reading Frankenstein. And... Um, there is a, many allusions to the narrative poem Rime of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. So as an extra credit opportunity, and if you've read that poem before, you know that it is long, 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 but it is a narrative poem. It's like a story. So I said, okay, extra credit opportunity. I don't even know who's going to do this. Um, seven paragraphs analyzed Gothic literature in Rime of the Ancient Mariner. And I was actually very proud of the fact that I have out of, because we're on block scheduling, so keep that in mind when I say my class numbers, out of 39 uh, high school sophomores, I have five who said I will take the time to do an extra credit essay and read through it and they asked me about citing and MLA and my little teacher heart was just like oh this is so (laughs) so amazing that these kids you know took you know really did take the extra time to do that and I was really excited about that and you know it was due actually yesterday so I can't wait to read them but I've had a couple peaks when some kids had some questions and um, I'm really excited to actually read those because that is one of my favorite poems and Coleridge is one of my favorite English romantic poets so that is that's just a personal high extra credit for for me and I I'm excited to fill you in on how that went. Well, we will we will keep you posted on how the the ancient mariner extra credit goes. All I can think about that entire time as you're saying ancient mariner is there once was a man from Nantucket. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, we're not talking about limericks today, are we? That's a type of poem, isn't it? It is. Look at that cross curricular podcasting. Yeah, you get extra credit. Look at that, boom, good grade here. All right, your extra credit. So my extra credit, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna take the the low hanging fruit. Um, it's putting out our first podcast. We've talked about this for a couple weeks now, um, but it was stuck in my crawl for a little while. And so I, you know, finally putting out my first podcast, full episode, uh, the intro doesn't count. Um, so that's kind of my, my extra credit of the week. It's a little personal extra credit. Um, so sorry, kids, you're left out this week. I'm sure you'll pop up in, in the future. Um, but yeah, you know, being part of the podcast realm is kind of, kind of interesting right it's kind of good but at the same time we had somebody a couple weeks ago was like well you guys aren't just gonna like become hipsters and do podcasts now right and we kind of we went oh actually actually we we, might might. (laughs) so um yeah but it's exciting right we're gonna we're gonna try to share with you listeners you know again our perspective on teaching it doesn't mean that hey you need to go back to your classroom and do everything the way that we do it because I personally feel like there's things that I do in the classroom that I definitely need to continue to get a lot better at. Um, so you're going to hear at least me. I don't know. Sarah's probably going to do the same thing. I'm going to mm. talk about the things I don't do well. Um, yeah. And I that think I need the, to focus on the best practices and sharing those, you know, things that went well and didn't well is, is such a beautiful thing in our profession. And I think not being scared to share when, when we fail, um, and, and get help from other professionals, you know, and just opening this dialogue is such an exciting thing. So I'm excited that you, you're 
doing this and you asked me to be a part of it and, and yeah I, I definitely could so not, much fun I definitely couldn't do this on my own so it's good to have a co-host because um, like I said I'm gonna be pretty critical of myself on here at times and so it's good to have a sounding board it's good to have somebody share their other experiences so it's not just me this you know omnipotent voice in the back, in the back of your ears <laughs> telling you that this is how I do my job well and this is how I do my job poorly mm-hmm. so it's good to have you know Good to have a co-host, a, a partner through this. Um, so yeah, that'll that'll do it for episode one. Um, we're gonna try to push these things out weekly. So uh, look for another episode coming out Wednesday or Thursday of next week. Uh, but we'll we'll probably get into uh, a little bit of classroom management and kind of how we run our classrooms, which. Uh, if you ask other teachers in our building, is vastly different from one another. Mm-hmm. But it definitely has both its strengths and its weaknesses. So hopefully you can get something out of that. Uh, but we'll wrap up every episode with Classed Out. <laughs>